Once again, it is the education show. It's one of my favorite times when I get to uh, chat to people on the show because, well, education, let's face it, is, uh, in my opinion, and uh, in many other people's opinions, I guess, uh, it's, it's all about the future of our country and about our young people. Speaking of which, I have a special guest, a gentleman by the name of Tulani Masabenza, who is joining me, one of the founders of an NPO called Young Aspiring Thinkers. And today we're going to be talking about uh, some challenges of uh, technology and then we're going to be looking at how to create learning environments for each type of learner. Something I wished was available when I was in school, but then we still had steam engines and, and ox wagons and stuff. So anyway, Tulani, good morning and welcome. Good morning, David, and thank you once again for having me. An absolute pleasure. So, Tulani, give me a little bit of, of, of background on, on who is Tulani and how did you come to, to become one of the founders of this Young Aspiring Thinkers NPO? Okay, so Tulani, I guess, is a person who's passionate about entrepreneurship and building solutions for inclusion which was, I guess, one of the foundations for Young Aspiring Thinkers. So I guess I was privileged to go to a good high school in South Africa. And even within that good high school, I was very unsure of what I wanted to do career-wise. So I think in high school, applying to university, I actually wanted to become a lawyer. And by the time I finished my university journey, I was actually a management consultant, which is completely different spectrum. And myself and my co-founder wondered if we struggle with these challenges, um, having access to, I guess, good resources and good schooling, how would other learners in under-resourced schools with lack of after-school programs be affected by this pro problem? And I guess that was the thinking behind Young Aspiring Thinkers. Okay. So, and, and I, I totally get why you, you, you would do that, but... Um, it's strange when you said you were you were studying to be a lawyer because there's so many of us. We grew up, I know, even back in my day, in the dinosaur days, um, you know, you had to you had to leave school and you had to study to either become a doctor, a lawyer, or an accountant. If you weren't, you know, if you weren't quite good enough for that, maybe a banker. And that's what my parents wanted for me to do. So. You can imagine the disappointment and shock and horror when I said I wanted to be a radio DJ. Um, but I think <laughs> I think this is the, this is something that is so vitally important: is that we all get pushed into these expectations and everything. And the problem is, I mean, I had I had challenges learning at school as well. Um, I was at a, at a government school, but still, we had way, way, way more access to resources than some people still today. So. Where do we start? You've now formed this this uh, NPO, Young Aspiring Thinkers. How does it work and what do you do? So we offer a, a whole variety of programs, um, starting from career exposure, which is just a one-day event. So we're lucky we have a great database of young mentors and young professionals, people from football coaches to digital marketers to data scientists. And we host this really cool career exposure day with the learners where they can ask these mentors or young professionals anything regarding their career journey, what they have to study to get there, what their job looks like. And once when we start these learners or we put them in these career exposure sessions, we then offer them application programs for our Illuminate program, which is actually our, I guess, flagship offering, which 
is offered over a period of four years. And the vision there is really about developing future leaders, um, obviously helping these learners figure out what type of career decisions and paths they want to do by doing things like psychometric testing and the likes. And that's how we really try to transform these learners from individuals that maybe just had like a very rigid understanding of what they wanted to pursue, like you mentioned, being a doctor or a lawyer, to maybe realizing that they want to be, I don't know, a NASA scientist. We really try to um, show the learners that anything is pretty much possible if you dream and you have a plan to make it possible. Which I think is awesome. And and also, you know, I think just exposing young people to the various careers that are out there because there are so, so many opportunities. And uh, very often, as I said, we get pigeonholed. Now, Tulani, you, you talk about your flagship program. Um, and and we, we, when I said right at the beginning, we're going to be talking about um, technology and how technology sort of, uh, you know, the, the, the challenges there. How do you guys work? I mean, because are you going, are you going to go into schools? Do you do in-person? Because I've, I've spoken to people before, and, and particularly in the corporate world, the, the big buzzword at the moment is, hey, I put everything online, let them go online. But if I understand correctly, in some of these schools, they don't have access to that technology. No, very, very true. And um, that's something we realize up. But obviously, due to the COVID pandemic, we were forced into the situation where we really had to utilize technology to deliver our offering. And that's immediately where we saw the gap in the, I guess, educational system in South Africa with regards to basic things like most learners not being able to have like adequate smartphones to do things like Zoom and Google Meets, um, not being able to afford data. So we had to sponsor data. So that... This last, I guess, couple of 18 months really opened us up to how big of a problem this actually is currently in South Africa, which is why we are trying to push towards creating these type of environments where learners can access and use technology to further learning. And I think it also made us realize that if we do use technology to deliver our program, we can actually scale beyond Gauteng and help learners in the Eastern Cape, maybe even Limpopo and the likes. But that is that is actually that was going to be my next question is like, you know, it's it's at the moment, as I understand it, you're focusing on Gauteng, but this is a national problem. And I mean, if you think about Northwest, uh, Mpumalanga, Limpopo, places like that, um, I've been to some places where the schooling is still incredibly rural. And I mean, you know, the, the, the concept of having a tablet or a smartphone is far beyond what what any of these poor people can 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 get hold of and get access to. So, you know, I'm I'm very much, you know, I'm very vocal about my theory that uh, our, our various service providers should give free data for education. But uh, I think that's a battle that's still going to be long fought. No, true. And I do agree with that because I do think it actually can be pushed from top down to be able to scale this problem. Because when you do, I guess, just basic budgeting of how much it would cost to be able to supply data to all the learners in these programs, you do realize that it starts running up the cost. And I do agree that maybe one of the solutions could be exploring innovative partnerships with the likes of Photocom and MTN to see how we can make some learning platforms data-free. Yeah, very, very important. But let's get, let's get back to your, your uh, flagship program there. So now 
the, the, the learners in the Gauteng area have, have attended uh, one of your, your one-day events and they now are going to apply. What does that involve? The actual application process. Yeah, so, so what, are we, what are we applying for? Let's say I've now gone and I've seen this, this, the, what different career opportunities are available, et cetera, et cetera. Now I'm all gung-ho and I want to break the mold and not be a doctor, a lawyer, or an accountant. Maybe I want to get into um, consulting or business management or something like that. How does that work? So we try to look for learners that I guess have a big vision of what they want to do in this world. So our application process already helps us to identify what type of learners we're looking for because we don't really make it mark-based. We actually, like one of the central themes, we ask the learners is what type of problems they want to solve in the world, um, what type of South Africa they want to create. And most often than not, the learners' replies actually ends up being a North Star to what guides them into what career they would be interested in. But once they are in the program, the focus is really then something that we call self-discovery and career design. So we really do a lot of workshopping. We bring and partner with psychologists to help the learners understand who they are, what their skills are, and just some of the common like personality types, um, type of activities to identify who they are. And then based on the problems that they want to solve and I guess the vision of who they want to be, we start helping them plot a career path from high school to university to how they would actually get into this career. And the last thing is outside of career development, we really do try help them become leaders. So one of the aspects of the, our program is this really cool social entrepreneurship project that we partner with Monster Business School in Germany. And basically the learners identify a problem in their community. So one of the schools we're working with is in Oliven. And currently they have this big um, issue with wastage, not being able to, I guess, government uh, effectively collect waste in the area. So the learners really identified a lot of problems around there. And they basically create these prototype solutions using Monsters frameworks to how they can solve these problems. And I guess that's a fun part of the program where they really learn how to problem solve and brainstorm creative ideas. Okay, fantastic. Now, just so I'm clear though, Tilani, in, in terms of, you know, uh, th there's so many people in this in this country of ours that when, when you talk about further education, uh, you know, and the concept of going to, um, university or you know a technical uh, institution or something for so many people that's just way way out of their reach so what happens if you come across somebody who's who's got a great vision got great potential but there's just no money what what do we do in that situation so to be perfectly honest we haven't been able to solve that problem yet and we've also had to think outside of the box in terms of extending our partners because we did make that mistake initially of just thinking that if the learners were very high potential, very clever, had a clear vision of what they wanted to do, they would be able to get into the likes of FITS and UCT and TUX. But we have had situations, for example, in our last program where learners scored a high APS score. But as you mentioned, um, lack of funding and lack of bursary resources, they weren't able to make the most of that opportunity. So I think we've also really had to rethink as an organization of number one, how can we extend our partner network or 
the second option is how can we rethink education as a whole? So we've actually really been speaking to a lot of interesting stakeholders that are creating, for example, software development programs where all learners need is just a metric and I guess the right type of thinking. And they can go straight into creating a career in software or being a software developer rather. So I think in terms of solving that problem realistically, maybe going in that direction, because it does seem like South Africa's climate is a bit difficult for everyone to be able to access funding to go to university. In terms of like technical skills and people who are more technically minded, um, you know, I was talking to somebody a while ago where um, we were saying that there's this shortage in, in our country of, of plumbers and electricians and carpenters and boiler makers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it, it seems that it's it's sort of something that, that there's not much focus on. Is that something you guys look at? Currently, no. The only special, I've only done one specialized program and that was with Oracle. And this, that specialized program was just focusing on um, teaching learners or helping learners develop careers in the computer science or IT industry. But I as for like more technical and more hands-on or artisanal programs, we haven't really thought about creating those um, yet. Uh, I love it when you say yet, because that means that you guys are, are, are very proactive in everything that you do. So, and I, and I just to go back to your, your sort of, uh, in terms of the digital world and, and the, the programming and software development, et cetera, et cetera, that's certainly also a, an area where we definitely could use uh, a bunch more people. Now, Tulani, how long has uh, Young Aspiring Thinkers been up and running? So we've been operating the organization since 2019. So we're still relatively young ourselves. <laughs> so we've basically been, I think, in operation for about two and a half years now. So I think next year will be our third year, Ramon. Yeah, you certainly, you certainly picked like, the best time to start a business, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say that, but yeah, the last 12 months have definitely been challenging. I don't just think for ourselves, I think for everyone. Mm, no, listen, I, and, and I was I was chatting to uh, somebody the, the other day and they were saying, you know, anybody who can start and continue to run a business during this pandemic, when the good times uh, roll around again, we're going to be, we're going to be okay because yeah, you know, it's just, it's been incredibly difficult. So you're going to be, um, sort of a part of the Zabuza.net group as well, aren't you? Yes, we are. All right. Tell me, what is, what is that going to look like? Are you just going to, are you going to make stuff available on the Zabuza.net platform? Yes. I think what was really great about our plat their platform when we initially started the convos was that it's exactly like what we'll talk about. It is data free. And that does give us an opportunity to actually manage the learner content, um, manage how we interact with learners without learners actually needing, I guess, a lot of upfront data or I guess very advanced smartphones, which I guess allows us to creatively think of new ways of how we can interact with our learners beyond the in-person offering that we're currently doing. Are you back at, at, at in-person yet or, or is there still some sort of hesitation about getting together in groups? No, so we are back in person now, but it was only recently, I think from about August. 
And is, is that is that working out okay? Obviously, there's a whole bunch of COVID protocols that need to be in place, but um, there, there is definitely, and you know, I work in the digital world, and I would be the first one to say there's definitely something to be said about being in person and face to face. So, I think that's that, that's absolutely brilliant. Tony, before I let you, I let you go. Um, what are you guys planning next? What's next for Tulani? What's next for the young aspiring thinkers? So, what's next for young aspiring thinkers? We're always trying to grow and, I guess, scale up our offering. And really, what we're trying to explore now, seeing if we can actually tap into the university um, space. So, we actually want to create things called social clubs at all the major universities. Will be piloting or launching our first one at FITS. And essentially the idea there is that once when our learners start finishing our programs, they have a place to interact with us again, but also learners that have never interacted with young aspiring thinkers can join these social clubs. And the focus there will be really helping learners prepare for graduate programs or graduate opportunities. So things like mock interviews, being a buddy system where students in Germany can help the students in South Africa understand they how they could study overseas, bringing corporates to just come talk about opportunities and the types of jobs available. So in terms of what's next, that's definitely coming up soon. And also, I guess, just our year-on-year Illuminate program as we're accepting learners on a rolling basis. Wonderful stuff. Well, Telani, i got to say, I take my hat off to you guys because it's a, it's a brilliant, brilliant concept. It's a wonderful thing that you're doing. And uh, I just hope that uh, young aspiring thinkers uh, goes from strength to strength. And uh, it's great to have you on the uh, Zabuza.net platform as well. So thank you so much. Thank you for your time. No, thank you for having me, David. And yeah, this is a really great opportunity and platform. We're really grateful. Wonderful stuff. Wraps it up uh, for this edition of uh, The Education Show. Uh, My special guest there, uh, was Tulani Masabenza, one of the founders of Young Aspiring Thinkers. They are on the zibuza.net platform. Go check it out, say hello, pop in, see what they do. It's going to be well worthwhile. Until next time, look after yourselves, take care, and thank you for listening.